0: Thank you. Thank you, Shelly Hot Buns. Look at me. Love you. Thank you, Lord. Well, what an honor. What an honor. How many have been enjoying the conference so far? Come on. So I get to preach tonight um, and uh, and just kind of share a little bit of my my message, you know, everybody has a message. Everybody has something that God has really put inside of them, like their one thing. How many know what I'm talking about? And I get to share kind of my message with you tonight. Things that the Lord has brought me through, and and things that the Lord revelation, and just uh, just about who God is to me, um, and how it radically has changed the way I the way I live and the way I see things. So uh, it's such an honor tonight. Um and man can we give it up for the worship team real quick? Come on, man. Thank you, Lord. You guys are doing great. Pastor Chris and the team. What awesome worship. We get this all the time, this kind of worship. Thank you, Lord. Yep, just rubbing it in. Thank you, Lord. So, uh so tonight, I want I want to first first I want to see who which section is the most anointed, right? Let's try right over here. Let's see not bad. What about this section right here? Whoa. Oh, show. You guys are anointed. What about this one right here? I think the middle section got it, but there's more people in the middle section. So, you know, I mean, come on, whatever. Um, so if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter four and, uh, And I'll be reading some verses in just a moment. And I want to talk to you about the Samaritan woman tonight, the woman at the well. And uh, man, it's such a beautiful story. And I think it's one of the most beautiful love stories in the Bible. Um, And uh, we may not know it like that, but I, I just want to I want to talk to you about how this story has changed my life and a little bit of my journey. Now, I wasn't raised in the church. Most of you probably know that. I I got saved when I was 17 years old. I was raised Catholic. And I went to church, you know, a couple times a year. Um, i had never really experienced God, but I had an understanding of God. And he was kind of scary. And he was far. And, uh, and I didn't really care for God. But then somebody told me one time that I was going to go to hell if I wasn't born again. So I said, I, I need to be born again. And, uh, and I went ahead. And, and God, uh, God moved inside of my heart, and, and something happened. And, and I, at the age of 17, I felt like the Lord called me to minister. I felt like I, felt like I was created to do something significant in, on the planet. Um, and, and that started my journey as a Christian. Now, as, as a Christian uh, that had recently been saved, I started going to a church, um, and I, I encountered the, the whole, like, you know, Christian culture thing, Right. And it was a little weird to me, just to be honest. And I, now I'm, I'm not talking about weird, like, you know, Holy Ghost weird. I'm Like, you know what I mean by that, right? Like Pentecostal, like, you know, people falling down. And I wasn't, I'm not talking about that. Like tongues, I like that stuff. Like, oh, that's cool, man. That's super na I love that. But I mean, just kind of the kooky weird. How many know what I'm talking about? Don't look at the person that you think is kooky right now. Don't do it. But I, I you know, first of all, I'm a young man and... And, and when, I, uh, when I committed my life to the Lord, I was not interested in dating. Uh, maybe a little bit, I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe I can meet a nice Christian girl. Um, but then I found out Christian girls were really weird. <laughs> and honestly, most of them, like, they didn't wear much makeup and stuff. And I, I'm just being real with you, okay? Can I, preachers are supposed to be transparent. Now, I was 17 years old, but they're, not only did they did not look that great, but they were just weird. And so I started encountering the the whole, like, the Lord told me that you're my husband. You know, the look, you know, the the God told me thing, you know, God told me, God told me, we say that a lot. God told me, you know, if, if nobody can question your God told me, eventually you'll become your own God. I've tried to take that vocabulary out of my, out of my language because I, I don't, I don't want it to bring people to a place where they can't, they can't question it or they can't like, well, the Lord told me like, yeah, you can say it about anything. Well, the Lord told me that I'm supposed to drive your car tomorrow. And I know you drive a Lamborghini, but the Lord told me, <laughs> right? So I started experiencing that. I didn't want to date and God knows I didn't want to get on like Christian dating sites because you know, Christian girl, seven, seven, seven is some dude in a basement in his underwear. You never know. So I I got pushed into this culture, and and, I remember my first time at a youth group was horrible. It was awful. It was the most embarrassing thing ever. And I was, like, recently saved, so I was just kind of like, you know, I didn't know what to do, and... And some girl, she's like, oh, follow me. This is the way to the youth group. And I'm like, okay. And she grabs my hand. She takes me outside through the back door after it's already started. And she was trying to make it look like she brought me to church. And she was like trying to hold my hand. Now, when we're praying, she didn't hold my hand like this. She did one of those bad boys. (laughs) Like, what is going on? I'm not lying to you. It was weird. Now I'm okay with a little weird cause I'm weird. You all know, those of you that know me know I'm weird. Don't you know, you know, I'm weird, right? Come on. But this is even weirder than weird. I mean, it was like, cause then you, you know, you know, you have, and some of you heard me share this, you know, you have like the Pentecostal weird, you know, and then you have like the seeker friendly weird and they're both just as weird. The way sometimes like even seeker friendly Christians, the way they talk about Jesus creeps me out. Jesus loves you. And I'm like, okay, just don't look at me like that, bro. Seriously. So I wasn't looking for a mate. Matter of fact, it turned me off to even like wanting to get married, you know? And obviously, like I wanted, I wanted to, I saw myself as a dad and I wanted to, I'm a Christian now, I'm called to ministry. And so I I began to dream, but because my heart wasn't oriented at a mate, I never saw one because I, I, am like, I, if that's what Christian girls have to offer. I don't want that. It was just weird, and maybe I just was in a, a bad mix or something. I don't know. It was a lot better out there. Obviously, there is because one day my wife came along, and I said, "Whoa, beauty in face and in form. Come on, somebody!" And uh, don't act like that's not like. Oh, when I saw my wife, when I saw my wife, it was just holy. It was holy attraction. You are lying. You know, I saw on the internet, these, these Christian, oh, it just bugs the crap out of me. This Christian couple fasted sexual intimacy for two years. So retarded. That's spiritual warfare. When you, when you're, when you have a healthy marriage like that, come on, sexual, that's spiritual warfare. Come on, somebody. Devil can't mess with that. I think that's just Crazy. But I think it shows our fear of intimacy and the way religion pollutes or we have an understanding or a concept of God. And, and you know, we have, we have these God told me cultures and, and, you know, but wherever your heart is oriented, wherever your life, whatever your, your heart is pointed at, you're going you're gonna to see. Not, and I wasn't looking, but then my wife came along and I fell in love with her. And guess what? 16 years we celebrate at the end of this month. Come on, somebody. But I want to share some stuff with you tonight of how on my journey, my concept of God has completely changed. Um, I used to be a little afraid of God. I used to think like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe God is, is one day going to just say, you know what, uh, I, I'm going to change my mind about you. And you're not called into ministry like, like you thought you were. And, you know, I, I used to think that. I used to think that maybe, or, or, you know, the concept, there was a point in time where I was a Calvinist. And I, and I thought God exhaustively controlled everything. I mean, I could break down the five points of. I converted people, man. I could convert Pentecostals to Calvinism. I could do it. I did it back in the day. I could break down the five points and just explain the exhaustive control that God has over everything and he's sovereign over all things and, and, and my idea of sovereignty was not the biblical understanding of God's sovereignty and, and so that my since then my, my view of God has completely changed. But I, I read this story and most of you know it. Jesus shows up at a well. He's tired. He's thirsty and he asks a Samaritan woman, for a drink. Most you guys know the story, right? I I could read, you know, probably 12 verses here, but I just want to kind of give you a little, uh, just a snapshot of it. And, and then Jesus, you know, talks with her and he says, if you knew the gift of God and the person that is talking to you, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And, uh, but, but, you know, Jesus is actually calling her into intimacy. And, and the Bible says in verse four, that he had to go through Samaria. Now that's not a geographical thing. The, the the author's telling you something, that Jesus had to go through Samaria. In other words, there was a divine appointment. There was something that, that Jesus had to do in Samaria, and I think it's about this lady right here. And most of you know the story that goes on and uh, that Jesus kind of, this is the way I've, I've always heard it, he kind of reads her mail in a nice way, right? Like he just exposes her sin. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right, you don't. You had five and the one you're with is not your husband. That's like, a, doesn't it seem like it's just a very sweet way to say you're a mess and you need help? I mean, that's the way I always read this. I always read this like, man, the Samaritan woman, you know, like she's an adulteress. Is there anyone else in the room that kind of looked at it that way at all? Raise your hand. Like, you know, there, there's a perspective we have on things. There's a perspective we have on, when we read the Bible, we have a perspective. See, we have uh, mental things, men, our mental capacity. We have mental baggage. We have some of it's good, some of it's not good. We have lenses we read things through. We have lenses that we see God through. We have lenses that we see one another through, that we see the world through. The way we look at the church, the way we look at people, the way we look at unbelievers, those that don't know God, those that haven't prayed that magical evangelical prayer. And we all have a perspective, and, and my perspective has drastically changed First of all, my perspective of for, of God has completely changed, and you know, I used to I used to see God as again that that controlling that controlling guy that just you know had everything mapped out. And then I realized that when I read the Scripture, that it progressively reels, reveals who God is. And then when I see Jesus. I see what God really looks like. Like Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. Now that is huge. That is such a milestone. That is, that is like a big deal. Say big deal. See, when you read the Bible, you can't read it like a flat book where it's all the same everywhere the, the, it has flat authority all across. Like you, you read it like this, where it's just flat. It's like, if I read Deuteronomy and I read, it's the word of God, you know, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And my children are rebellious. So I better stone them. That's what Deuteronomy says. Now we know you can't read the scripture like that, right? I mean, there's covenants and, and, and G- now there's a progressive revelation of God. It's not all the same. A lot of things have changed. And But when Jesus shows up, he shows us what God looks like. As a matter of fact, he read his Bible differently than the Pharisees. He told him, he said, you know, Moses said this, but I tell you this. So he didn't read his Bible that way. And we have to read our Bibles the way Jesus did. And Jesus comes and he reveals what God looks like. And God is a loving father. He reveals his Abba. Even on the cross, he's he's hanging there and we we commit the ultimate sin. We basically kill God. Humanity kills God. I mean, talk about the worst undercover boss episode ever. The creator shows up and we kill him. But as he's dying on the cross, he says, father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now many of you think, well, hopefully, hopefully God answers sure. I don't think he was asking God to he was revealing the very heart of the love of God, the most the most horrific sin of all sins and the most beautiful display of all loves at the cross. And so you see what God looks like. You see Jesus is is, is revealing this loving father and, and he's not an all controlling monster that's just ticked off at the world. And, and if we, if we screw up, we're just going to, if we just blow it, that's it. Now I live my Christian life for years with that concept of God. It sucked, man. When I, when I made a mistake, I'm like, I hope God will forgive me. I hope God will forgive me. I hope God will forgive me. Oh God. You know, snotting at the altar. <laughs> I believe in repentance, but I was scared. I was like thinking something's going to go wrong here, you know. Maybe God's going to break my arm or something or give me cancer, you know. Like that's how how I thought about God. I mean, no, that's not who God is. But that's really important because as believers, we represent who he is. And we need to represent who he is. He's not an all-controlling monster. He's a good papa. And he loves us. And he values us. So now when I read the scripture, I got to look at the life of Jesus. I have to see that he didn't read his Bible like a flat book. Matter of fact, he re- we should read our Bibles more like the other way where it's like a mountain. And Jesus is at the top. And so there's a progressive revelation. But when we get to the top, it's Jesus. Jesus, the perfect revelation of God. Hebrews 1.3, Colossians 1.15. When we see Jesus, he is the exact exact representation of God. God incarnate, fully God and fully man. This is huge for us. This is, this is a big deal. And so when I see Jesus, I see what God looks like. Now in this story, uh, you know, I want to I tell you, O- on my journey as a believer, I it, even six years ago. Now I started doing ministry stuff early on and I saw God do amazing things. I mean, people are getting healed and I didn't even know what I was doing, man. I remember going to school. I'd been saved a few months and some girl broke her toe. I'm like, God can heal you. I didn't even know what I was talking about. I don't even know how to pray. And I'm like, let me just pray for your toe. Father heal her toe. She's like, the pain's gone. And she's smacking her toe against the desk. And I'm like, this is fun, man. I like being a Christian. You know, and, and I'm growing in the Lord and I am I'm I want to serve God and I want to change the world. I want to go on the mission field and I want to, I, I mean, I would pray and I would see literally stadiums full of people and I saw myself preaching and I'm like, God, you've you put something inside me for the world. I just knew I was called to ministry. But at the same time, I had a hatred for myself, which then bled over to the way I looked at other people. And there's times that I'd be at an outreach with a thousand people in the room and we're giving away toys and we're like, yeah, we're doing things in the name of Jesus. And I didn't even want to be there. And there's families crying. I'm thinking, I don't even care. I don't even care. Now, now, uh, the, the reason I'm sharing this to you is because as believers, we, we minister who we are. And so many times, because of our understanding of God and the way we see one another, that we can be in ministry and look really anointed, but we're, we're not really loving people. And how many know it's about love? How many know it's not about a platform? It's about people. Now, God's raising up a people, a generation to, that, that will capture this, that will understand that I'm not identifying my gifts. I'm not identifying my identity is not in my gifts and my talents and everything that I can do just right. It's I, I'm identifying in my sonship and then I'm loved by God. And so I began to grow in the Lord and I'm ministering. Now, now, we planted a church. And now I realize, though, that there's times I'm like, I really don't really love people that much. What's going on? Right? I mean, there's, there's times that we, we process in our life and we have a different perspective. Now, I, I started evangelizing. Romans Road, come on somebody. The first one is about how sinful we are. The first step to lead someone to Jesus is to tell them how crappy they are. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And so these are the lenses I'm looking at God through. I'm looking at humanity through. I'm looking at people through. And then God radically encountered me. And there's moments where I remember I was praying for this guy and I'm interceding one of my friends at backslid. And I'm like, convict him, Lord, convict him, you know, right? You know, you pray like that. You know, when our prayer meetings turn into gossip sessions and stuff like that. And we're praying for people and like, well, we pray for sister so-and-so because Lord, you know that she messed up the other day, praise God. And we just start going on and on. And, and everyone around us didn't know that. They're like, I didn't know that but okay, we're praying for, so I'm praying for this guy, Lord, convict him, and and all of a sudden, my heart, I just, my, it was almost like a, just a drop from heaven of the compassion of Jesus just psh, hit my heart. And I began to see the value of, of who he was. And I felt like I had God's compassion for him. And I began to weep so much. And it turned into this moment where I was like, God, all I could say, and I don't understand this, all, and I was saying, you're holy, Lord. But all I could say is, your heart is so pure. Your heart is so pure. Your heart is so pure. And, all I, and I wept for like an hour. Now I hadn't seen this guy in about two weeks. As I'm weeping and I'm sitting there praying, the phone rings. Guess who it is? My backslidden friend. Prayer works. So I'm reading the story, and I I, I want to just bring this home. I want you to I want you to read the the verses with me, if you would. Verses 17. You have your Bibles open. Now this is this is where Jesus reads her mail. This is where. Now I, as I as I uh, before I read that. I want to say this, that there were times that I felt like God called me to pastor a church. Now, how many know kingdom is such a buzzword today, isn't it? Like, you know, we're kingdom people, and and I believe that, but it's almost like I think that that we have to be careful because we begin to look at the church a little bit differently. Almost like the kingdom's important, but the church is important. And we have to define what the kingdom of God is and what the church is. The church is the people of God. The church is his people. Amen? Amen? you're the church. We're the church. We're the community of God. And the kingdom is God's reign. And the kingdom is, is the the love of God reigning in the earth. But I want, I want to talk about this because there was a time I looked, not only did I look at God differently, but I looked at people differently. And that would include the church because the church is people. And a part of my journey was, and I'm learning that the love that the church has for itself is what translates out into the world. Because if we're not loving one another, we're not a refuge for a broken people. You can't bring a prodigal son into a family that's dysfunctional. Amen. So I'm learning that, wow, I looked at the bride. I, there was times that I was preaching and I called the bride a harlot. There was times I was preaching, I'm like the bride of Christ is is dressed in lingerie instead of a wedding dress. And I thought I was like really doing justice until I saw a picture of my own bride. How many men in here remember the day you got married? Do you remember the moment your bride is down at the end of that aisle? Do you remember that moment? I'll never forget that moment. Every time stood still. Boom, there's my beautiful bride walking down the aisle. Now, can you imagine the bride of Christ, the church, we, the people? Imagine a bride at a wedding walking down the aisle, and nobody stands up and honors her, but we start booing her. Boo! Oh, look at the bride. Oh, she's nasty. She's a harlot. She should be dressed in black, throwing stuff at her. I realized that Christianity had a lot of bride bashers, and I didn't want to be one of them. Hello? And I realize that if I'm going to take on the heart of God and I'm going to realize how much he loves me and what he looks like, then I'm going to start loving the church and loving the bride and see how amazing she is and see her glorious and, and see her beautiful. And then that translates into the way we do community, the way that we love one another, which is the command Jesus gave us, love one another as I have loved you. So I'm reading this story and in verse 17, this is, the, this is where Jesus drops the bomb. He says, Uh, she says, or he says to her, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you say is quite true. And she says, sir, uh, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that uh, the place that you must worship is Jerusalem. And I wanna stop right there. Now, it's interesting, immediately, you know, we read that, and many times we think, well, man, Jesus just told her that she's had five husbands. It sounds like she just had five divorces or she committed adultery, and the one she's living with, she's living with in sin. But I want to share something with you. The more I study this, I felt like I read this, and I felt like I had a lens on that I needed to remove. I felt like, no, there's something about the Samaritan woman, and I believe that it's a type of the bride of Christ and a type of the world and sometimes we'll just read things and think, oh man, that, because that's, that's what we think. That's what, that's how we look at God. That's how we look at ourselves. That's how we look at the loss. I mean, it becomes really easy to win someone to the Lord. The way you learn it, you got to tell them first how sinful they are and just walk them through all the steps. And, and this is just, well, it's just the way it is. Jesus had to show her, you know, what her sin was. She has to realize that she's a sinner. How many know I'm talking about? Like, that's the way, right? That's Romans road. You got to tell them how nasty they are and how wretched and depraved they are so that that they can say, I need Jesus. But I realized that wasn't the right way to look at it. So I began to research this. And do you know that there is a, a language in the original language where he says the one uh, that you're with is not your husband. And that, now I realize there's some, there's a lot of scholars that, that teach this and believe this, that Jesus was actually saying the one that you're engaged to has not set a date yet. Now I want you to think about this. What if she isn't a, a adulterous woman or a bad, evil person. What if, what if she's just really, really broken? Like what if when we look at the world, we think, oh, they're just so filthy and you know, what if they're just really, really broken? The way I look at this is I see, Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the well was a place where you find the man. Come on, somebody. I think twerking may have been invented there possibly. I don't know if I can find that with a historical contextual hermeneutic, but this is a place you find a man. She was at the well and Jesus says, give me a drink. And then he says what he says. Oh, you don't have a bucket. She's like, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I've met men here before. You don't have a bucket. Like I, I, I know, I know when someone says, give me a drink, you know, get me some water. Now this was this was a cultural thing, so I think she was there because she was looking for the gaze of a lover. Come on, somebody. I think she was there and Jesus wasn't saying you had five husbands like we don't know if she committed adultery or if she divorced them or we don't know. It'd be conjecture to say that's what happened. We don't know. Here's let me tell you what I believe, though. I believe that she was rejected over and over and over and over again. And the one she was with didn't fully choose her yet because they hadn't even set a date yet. And the seventh man that comes into her life is the lover of all lovers. His name is Jesus and he saw her and he said I choose you how many know that she was the one chosen to bring revival to a whole region so what if we encounter the one at the well and we realize our value and that translates over to the way we see everything the way we see the church the way we see the loss, and then when we see people we don't think oh they're all jacked up and maybe they're just broken maybe they just don't know they're accepted maybe they just don't know they're loved the way God loves them And I'm telling you guys, if we just, now, the other day I was thinking about this. You know, the Bible says we're to become the salt of the earth. You know, the Lord says, or the Bible says to weep with those who weep. You know, there's so many broken people in the world. And they're not looking for someone to tell them how nasty they are. They're looking for someone to tell them how loved and accepted and forgiven they are. How valuable they are. That's the good news, man. The good news, the gospel is about who Jesus is and who he is. He says, I am the lover of all lovers and I love you and I think you're valuable. I've heard someone pray one time. They said, well, I, I just, I, I know, Lord, I'm only worthy because of your blood. I'm only worthy because of your blood. You ever heard that before? You're not worthy because of blood. You're worthy. Your, your worth is proved by the blood of Jesus. You're not made worthy by the blood. You're proved valuable by the blood of Jesus. If you weren't valuable before the cross, he would have never shed his blood. He was chasing you down with relentless love. He was chasing after you because he said, I want them. They're my kids and I want them to come home. That's the story of the Samaritan woman. She's not a nasty little promiscuous girl. Come on. She's a lost bride. She's broken. She's been rejected over and over again. So when you look at a sinner, don't think sinner. Think they just don't know it yet. They don't know how loved they are yet. They just don't know that they're a son or a daughter. And they just got to come home to Papa. I love the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Many of you know it. There's the beautiful picture when the son finally comes home. And the dad runs. Now today, that just sounds cool, man. The dad's running after the son. In that day, though, elder men did not run. That was a disrespect. He was pursuing the son. He was, He was. matter of fact, historically, that the community, when they saw him coming home, they could have mobbed him. He said, no, 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 no. this is my son. And he grabbed him and kissed him. He made sure everyone around them knew that he was loved and accepted for what he did. The Samaritan woman. How do we look at the bride? How do we look at the lost? How do we look at these people that we're called to reach? I'm so sick and tired of condescending evangelicalism. I'm so sick and tired of the way that we, like, you know, it's like we got to tell someone they're wrong and tell them what they did wrong. And how about we just come under and love them and tell them how God is just mad about them, not mad at them. And he's so in love with them. And if we just capture, if we just capture the heart of God, and we would weep with those who weep. Do you know that this becoming the salt of the earth is weeping salty tears with the broken? Because when you weep with someone who's weeping, it's not your tears. It's the tears of Jesus. And people that are broken need someone to weep with them because they feel alone. They feel like they're the only one that's broken. But when you weep with them, you're becoming that incarnate of Jesus, that, that flesh to them. That they're, You're saying, no, you're not alone. God's with you and God loves you. If we just capture the heart of God for people, maybe we've missed the whole story here. Maybe the Samaritan woman, maybe this is like Cinderella. Maybe she just lived in a, in a way where it was like, man... It's just the same thing over and over again. Nobody loves me. I, I, I'm, I'm always missed. I'm always passed up. She didn't know her value. She didn't know her significance. So maybe Jesus had the shoe to fit her foot. Maybe it's one of the most beautiful love stories in all of the scripture that Jesus comes the seventh man in her life and says, no, 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 no. I I'm calling you into intimacy. You're going to worship the father, the father seeking worshipers. That's not just some you, you, like euphoric, like thing where the father seeking worshipers and you have to come in the spirit. The way I've heard it taught. No, he's saying, listen, the heart of the father seeking you. That's why I had to come here. Do you know that appointments turn into divine appointments when we love like God loves? I wonder how many appointments we miss. Jesus in in verse four, the author says, now he had to go through Samaria. Read it, read it in your Bibles. John 4, 4, he had to go through Samaria. That was not a geographical thing. He had to go there. Why? Because God was seeking after this lady right here. She's a bride. She's beautiful. She's, she's loved. How many Samaritan women are out there? I want to tell you a story as I close. There was a time my mother-in-law and I were, uh, did y'all enjoy the word tonight? Come on. There's a time my mother-in-law, we were moving and we we're on assignment for my wife. And how many men out there? No happy wife, happy life. And you cannot waver from the assignment. And sometimes we just don't get it, you know, go to the store, get this, this, and this. And we walk in the store. We've been to the store 20,000 times, but we still don't know where everything is. Am I the only guy that has that dysfunction? Where's the milk? Uh, Is it over here? The produce? No, it's on the other side. I've been to the store 20 times and I had to go get tape. Because we're moving tape for the boxes, tape for the boxes. I got to say it again. It's like that old Sesame Street. The kid goes to the store, a gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, and a stick of butter. You guys ever seen that? A gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, and a stick of butter. And he keeps saying it so he doesn't forget. So I'm like, tape. I got to get tape for the boxes. Well, my mother-in-law's with me, so she helps me not forget, right? Thank God for mother-in-laws. Come on, somebody. She's my mother in grace. I remember reading a dream book one time, and it says, mother-in-law represents trouble. I laughed so hard when I saw that. I think I showed you. I'm like, look. <laughs> Dream books. <laughs> so we're on our way to tape, get tape. And we're going down Lake Mead, right on Boulder Highway. And uh, if, can I have the worship team come up? Lindsay, would you come up right now and just start playing? And we're going down Boulder Highway. And, and both of us kind of felt like something in our hearts, something in our spirits. And, uh, and we saw this girl. And she had a stroller and she looked really distressed. And there's a couple guys by her. And, um, and I remember just thinking like, what's going on there? You know, we're driving and we, we didn't say anything. My mother-in-law saw it, but we didn't, we didn't communicate about it. But, but we both knew like, okay, something's going on here. We need to, we need to intervene. And we're on, uh, on the way to do something. So we didn't, really didn't have time to stop, but we saw her walking across the street and she was, she was crying. So we went up about a block or two and we both were like, we got to turn around and see what's going on with this. You remember that? Remember that moment? You ever, you ever just like walk by somebody and you just know it's like, no, no, no. God has something for them. And, and I'm the one, I'm the one. If I don't go who well, you know, like this, this is, this is, this is a divine appointment. And, and we chose to love. So we had an appointment, but it turned into divine appointment because we loved And so we pull into the parking lot and she's got her babies in the stroller and she's crying. And I pulled up to her and I said, Hey, we're here to help you. And she starts bawling even more. And she says, I just prayed that God would send somebody to help me. So powerful. Isn't that awesome when that happens? So we get out of the car and we're like, hey, we want to take you shopping. She's like, why? I'm like, because we love you. <laughs> We take her shopping. She's like going through the, why are you doing this? Because God loves you because you're, you're special to him. He loves you. And, uh, we took her shopping and then we took her home and, uh, and we're on our way home and, and I'm driving and my mother-in-law, she can lead anybody to the Lord, man. You could be the most like perverse sinner with the hardest heart. You're going to be saved by the end of the conversation. She's a pit bull when it comes to that. Come on, somebody. But this girl was ready. She was so open. You know, when we love people, their hearts open, their hearts open up. Their hearts just like, oh, God. They don't need to be told that they're nasty sinners and they've made all these mistakes in life. And they need to be told, no, I know you've been rejected over and over and over, but somebody accepts you. You may not have had a daddy, but you got a daddy in heaven. And he says, you're his girl, your daddy's girl, or, or young men, you, you know, you run into somebody that never had a dad to say, daddy's proud of you. That's the gospel guys. It's the revelation of the heart of the father in the life of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. It's who he is. It's the pronouncement, the good news of who Jesus is. And Jesus came to reveal the heart of the father. And so we're ministering to this lady. I look in the back and we're going through the airport tunnel on our way to take her home. After getting all these groceries, she's bawling in the car, just receiving Jesus and just crying and just crying. And we're just like, man, thank God we stopped. And I'm thinking to myself, I hope Rochelle doesn't get mad at me. You know, I didn't get the tape. I think we came, I think we came home without tape too. (laughs) But we had a testimony, glory. So we drop her off and take her to the, she lived in some projects in what's called crack alley right over by Boulevard mall. If you're familiar with that area. And she was so broken, but we, we got to see an appointment turn into a divine appointment and we're just so blessed. And my mother-in-law are like, God, you're so good. And we're crying. Cause you know, when you see somebody get touched by God, it's just, it's amazing. It never gets old. His grace is still amazing. Just seeing somebody loved. It's just incredible to me. And on our way home, we're thinking like, man, I know we did what the Lord told us, but that was just awesome. And we see a sign on the right hand of the the road, and it says, and this girl's name was Kimberly. This girl's name was Kim. Maybe we'll meet her again someday. I'll never forget Kim. And I, I was driving, and I looked, and there's a sign, and it says, Save Kim's Job. And I'm like, that's weird. And we looked at each other, and we said, God just saved her destiny. Like we were used by God to just pull her into her destiny, save Kim's job. It was a landlord being creative, trying to tell people that she needed to get these vacant places filled. So save Kim's job. I've never seen that before. The landlord saying save Kim's job. Like uh, we have vacancies and we were renting out places. Save my job, save Kim's job. Talk about a sign and a wonder. There's so many Kims out there. There's so many lost sons and daughters out there. And they don't need to be told that they're, they're, they're sinners. They need to be told that they're so valuable, that they have so much worth. And when you believe that, when you look at them, the very heart of God will flow through your gaze directly into their being and they will melt under the weight of his love. Can we just open our hearts to him right now? I want to pray for you. This whole conference is about the love of God. Seems like it's the only thing I preach on nowadays. What else is there to talk about? Maybe we're going to worship for all of eternity and God just reveals his love to us and we fall on our faces and sing holy for 50,000 years. Then he reveals another facet of who he is to us. He's so loving. The de- Who can know the height, the depth, the length, the breadth to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So many conferences are about knowledge. I want, I want a conference about the love of God. I want a conference that will change us so that we can truly be world changers. And we're not afraid to rethink things that aren't bearing fruit and aren't changing the world. World changers are never afraid to rethink theology that isn't working good. Come on. And, and so I'm not afraid to, to not preach Romans road. I'm not afraid because it doesn't work very good because people still struggle with their identity that are not free. But when you tell them how amazing they are, Oh man, it just sets them on fire. They come alive. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to pray as, as the people of God that we can just allow the oil of heaven, the oil of God's love to drip over our hearts that will change the way we see things. So when we're reading scripture, maybe we don't see an adulterous woman in John 4. Maybe we see somebody who's just rejected over and over and over. And Jesus was the prince in shining armor to meet Cinderella, who's a slave and broken. And he said, no, you're a daughter. It's amazing to me, depending on someone's paradigm, you could read the same scripture and get a totally twisted Dichotomy with what someone else reads. You ever notice that? Jesus didn't just come to change our perspective though. He came to change our paradigm. So let him change your paradigm and let him permeate your heart tonight with his love. I want to release it over you. I want to release the fire of his love over you if you feel called to the mission field, if you feel called to the most broken places, one of our mottos as a church was from the inner cities to the outer nations. That came from a moment in worship in Southern California at a conference where I was singing out to God and God branded my heart with his love and I said, here am I, Lord, send me from the inner cities to the outer nations. There's so many people that that are broken. There's so many people that don't know how loved they are by God. Would we just come into alignment and say, God, I'm here. God, I'm here. Send me. If you're here and you feel that God has called you to the mission field, God has called you to the broken, God has called you, you're a minister of the gospel, or maybe you just want to love yourself better. Maybe you don't know how valuable you are. Maybe you don't know how loved you are. Maybe you feel like the Samaritan woman, but you need to know that Jesus chooses you that you don't need to look daughters you don't need to look at any other gazes you don't need to look for any other gazes because the lover of all lovers is gazing at you right now I want you to stand up with me if you would and we're going to we're going to play a song so as we begin to worship Lindsay's going to lead this song right now I, I just want to I want to ask you to come and we'll, we'll pray over you and we're just going to have a, a really really incredible time right now experiencing the deep love of God together and so I just want to call you up in just a moment as we as we begin to worship and I want to lay hands on some of you, I want to pray and I want to release the fire of God that he's put on my life the fire of his love Papa, you're so good I want to love better I want to love my kids better. I want to love my wife better. I want to love my church better. I want to love the broken better. I want to see things the way you see them. I want the real deal, God. I don't I won't settle for anything else. I I want to see the world set ablaze with the infectious love of God. And it starts with the same fire that came on Pentecost when it touches my life and my heart. So if you want fire, if you want to experience the love of God, quickly come now and just receive it. And as you come, the weight of his presence just crashes into you like a a mighty ocean wave. He'll never stop loving you. They'll never let you go. They'll keep chasing you down. You're stuck in Daddy's love. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ constrains us. He's just surrounding you right now. You can bow down. You can worship. You can kneel. Lift your hands and worship. Lift your hands and just breathe in the weight of his presence and glory right now. Go ahead and just lead us. Let's worship. For those that just feel like I'm called to the broken places, I'm called to restore community. I'm called to restore. I wanna, I wanna pray for you. I wanna, I wanna bless you. Can I please do that? I wanna pray for you. Just lift your hands. Let God brand your heart right now with His love. Jesus, just one drop of Your compassion. changes us there's nations called to the broken places I want you to begin to lift up your voice right now praying in the Holy Ghost come on let your spirit
1: I want you to from the deep places of your heart let a let us the fiery angels of God come and brand your heart the seraphim right now I'm called to the broken places I'm called I'm called I'm called to the inner city and to the outer nations I'm called I want to see humanity the way you see it Lord I want to see the church the way you see the church God I have to go to Samaria. Where's that proverbial Samaria? Where's that place? Where are those appointments that you'll choose to love that will turn into divine appointments? Come on. Jesus! So Lord, pray right now. I release fire. I
0: release the fire. Come on, lift your voices. I release fire. Fire. I
1: see families being restored. I see prodigals coming home. I see marriages being restored. I see lost loved ones coming into the house of God. I see people being raised from the dead. I see blind eyes opening. I see deaf ears healed. I see the lame. I see people getting out of wheelchairs. Oh, I see Muslims being saved by the millions. Oh, come on. The nations. Yeleleyo, so moya. So Lord, right now come on, lift your
0: hands. The Holy Spirit, I receive, I receive your fire. I release fire upon your people now. Fire upon your people now. Fire upon you now. Fire. Fire upon your people. Fire upon you. come on, lift your hands. Whoa. Whoa. Holy Spirit. Fire upon you now. Whoa. Wow. Come on, lift it up. Receive, receive. Fire, fire. Come on, just take it. Just what God's doing right now. What what is he speaking to you right now? Fire upon you. David, fire upon you now. Whoa. Wow. Come on, receive it.
1: Don't be distracted. Just receive it. Just receive what he's doing inside of you right now. Oh! Go ahead and sing it out again, Lindsay. Come on, worship team, sing it out. I breathe you in. I want to pray for you. Come on, receive it. of God you Yes God And yeah. just sing that out softly come on